Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic Audio Replay Podcast. Marketing Experiments is an internet marketing research laboratory. The web clinic you are about to hear was broadcast live to an international audience of marketing professionals. Sign up to be invited to future web clinics, as well as gain access to all of our online marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Good afternoon, this is Flint McLaughlin, and I'd like to welcome you again to another Marketing Experiments uh, live web clinic. And uh, I'm joined today by Jimmy Ellis, who is the Director of Optimization in our group and one of the earliest employees in the lab. Also by John Powell, who is an analyst involved in a lot of the research across our group related to testing and optimization and who personally worked on some of the projects that we're going to be reviewing. The title of today's clinic is The Compounding ROI of Sequential Conversion Increases. Essentially, we're going to show you, first of all, how one company took a very small gain and multiplied it tenfold. And candidly, if you have learned uh, at some stage to incorporate testing as a regular part of the cycle in your marketing efforts, you may not be realizing that there's a whole new level you can engage which can take the incremental gains you've currently made and multiply them many times over. You need to start thinking about your test in the way a financial analyst might look at his portfolio or her portfolio and determine how the combination of these tests can produce a much larger gain than any particular test done in singular. We'll say a lot more about that, but this is kind of testing 301 for those of you that have been on some of our more simple clinics. We're going to show you how choosing the right test in the right order can have a significant impact on the overall financial gain. I want to suggest to you also that as we move through this, we're going to move towards live optimization. We're going to be looking at your own pages that you've submitted and talk about how we might apply a testing strategy more comprehensive than just a particular gain with a test and a headline, but a series of tests that could produce the highest possible yield. As I do that, I'd uh, like to suggest that uh, you uh, bear with us and participate with lots of feedback using the Q&A feature that you have in your uh, uh, tool that you're cooperating with us this afternoon. And so let me begin by diving right into a test itself. This is a experiment number TP1214. That's its test protocol number here from our research library. This is a leading software provider. Their goal was to increase total leads captured. The primary research question was simple. Which process will generate the most leads? By the way, all good research questions in a single factorial or AB split test should begin with the word which. Most of the time, we do not ask the right research question. But let's continue. So we developed an approach, which is a radical redesign of the complete lead generation process. The goal was to focus on strengthening the communication of the value proposition across each element in the process itself. And so let's look at the paid search ad. Now, you've got the Q&A feature. I'd like you to look at that ad, and uh, I'd like you to give me your suggestions. What are some things that you could do to improve the performance of this paid search ad? Just use your Q&A to, to type in your suggestions, and let's review those together as we go forward. 
So I'm seeing, I'm seeing, uh, Stephen tells us more focus. Robert tells us what award did they win. Uh, Stephen, another Stephen, more specific. Ask a question, someone says. Give a metric. Be way more specific, says Brendan. Less fluff, says Matt. Branding is wrong, says Lisa. Remove marketing talk, says Brad. A better offer, says someone else. What's in it for the user, says Chuck. Uh, a guarantee, says Chris. And drop the WW on the display URL, says Josh. These are all interesting suggestions. And I'd like to show you an ad that is a minor improvement. It does not represent a fully optimized ad, but only one incremental improvement over the ad you've currently seen. It does incorporate some of your suggestions. And by the way, this is a typically, I'd say, good ad that you see in paid search. I'm not saying good in the sense that we feel it's even closely optimized, but compared to many of the ads that used to run in paid search, this is a typical, i.e. best practice, or put that in quotes, ad. We wanted to improve it, and we began a series of tests to improve it. We're only going to show you one iteration of that, because we're going to move from the ad to the landing page in just a moment. So here's the before original. It does use vague, qualitative statements like award-winning and fully integrated. And we switch with a small, a minor improvement to the following ad. You'll see the difference. Business Software Suite, number one on demand, 6,459 plus world clients, award-winning solution, free trial. Now, this optimized ad uses very specific quantitative statements. Remember something. If you're going to make a qualitative statement about yourself, you're probably going to lose credibility with your audience. Do not tell us you're the fastest, the biggest, or the best. Let someone else say that or back it up with facts. If you must make a qualitative statement rather than a quantitative statement about yourself, have that made by a third party so that you can trade on their credibility. It doesn't work for you to brag about yourself in vague ways in most marketing situations. In this case, we improved this ad slightly and we saw a slight gain. I'll show you the results. You're looking at the lift, 21%. Now, for many marketers, that would be an exciting gain. It certainly wasn't what we wanted to experience, but it was the important piece in a critical series of experiments designed to have a much greater impact than you might think. And this is how we began the process. I want to warn you again that the ability to test today is not enough. Many companies have learned that they can test, but they don't know precisely what to test, and they don't know how to design uh, an optimal set of tests to get the highest possible yield. When we began to talk about these kinds of experiments in our labs years and years ago, most companies weren't testing at all. Today, lots of companies perform tests. The Internet has grown, and so has the knowledge base there. But in the process of conducting more tests, many of us are taking a random approach and we test something that someone on the team happens to think has promise or that someone upstairs passes down to us and says, we want you to test that. That is not the best approach. And so let's please look at the next piece. We tested the ad and then we thought about the connection between the promise in the ad 
and what occurs on the landing page. Now, when you transition from the ad to the landing page or from the landing page to any other element in your sell path, you need to ask a question. What is the customer expecting now? Or what is the visitor expecting now? And so we ask that question, and this is the original page. Now, you may see some blurring on your screen. That's not an error in the graphics. That's our attempt to anonymize the page. But what you will notice that is that this is a typical kind of page that you might see for a, a software service or some kind of uh, vendor that's involved in technology. And this was their landing page connected to the original ad that we optimized. We made a change to this page. And before I go any further, tell me what would you do to improve the results on this page? So audience, I'm watching for your thoughts. And by the way, Keith Hagen, you said, I told you, you're right. Uh, those changes you recommended were good. Keep going. Look at the page. Tell us how you'd fix this one now. All right? Strip out the large left nav. Manage expectation of the ad. Easy to get info, says Robert. Add a white paper or case study, says Kirsten. Get rid of the blue circle for starters, says Kristen. Less stock photo, says Alfredo. Graph very confusing, says Stephen. Uh, large call to action, says Matthias. Uh, less, says Matthew. Cut out the distractions, says uh, Michael. Looking at this page, we agree with some of your suggestions, and rather than think about it randomly, we applied the conversion sequence, which you can learn about on our website. Uh, just type it in the search field, and uh, it is a heuristic designed to organize your thinking and achieve the best result when answering the question, what should I change? Or what should I test? And in particular, we applied it to this page and we made some small changes. Here they are. Before we go there, look at this page. We notice, using the diagnostic, that we have three competing objectives and many navigation links leading off the page. There are long paragraphs that are difficult to scan. The main call to actions are put in the right-hand column out of the visitor's main iPad. The page, again, uses vague language to communicate the value, and it is not even connected to the expectations created in the original page search ad. So what did we do? Well, we changed it. I don't think the page I'm going to show you next is fully optimized. I don't think the page I'm going to show you next is even attractive. But I want to show you what we changed and then tell you why. We went from this to this. Now, here's the optimized page, and the optimized version uses quantitative language. The awards are shown prominently with testimonials. The paragraphs are broken up and more digestible. The navigation has been removed. The call to actions have been reduced, and there have been many changes. Can this page be improved? You bet it can. But what's important to note is that by moving from the original page to this page, with these minor changes, none of them requiring programming, here is what we uh, saw in terms of an increase in conversion. That's 54% more clicks. Now, that's significant. And you need to recognize that because of the difference in the ad, 21% more people are seeing this page. And now 54% more of those are getting to the next element in the cell process. And that's where you start to understand the power of 
of compounding. Can stay with us? It, it continues to build. So here's the first series in the test and the second series in the test. And then we move to uh, the typical kind of B2B lead gen form that we come to when people respond to a landing page like this. Here's the original landing page. Uh, or sorry, the original form. Now think about this, and I'm going to ask you again, because we do read the responses from the audience. We often catalog them. We study them. We integrate it in our uh, kind of a knowledge base that we try to build in, uh, of what we know about our customers and what we know about the people attending these webinars and what level we should be teaching at. So tell me, how would you improve the form? Now remember, in B2B, some of these fields need to remain. You can't just eliminate all of them, but let's look at them. Too many fields on one page, says Jenny. Extremely long form, says uh, Andres. Uh, imitating reg form, says Matt. Less field, says uh, Chris. Too much too soon. Why should I trust my details with, your, with, with, with you and my privacy, etc.? Nick. And uh, the form is too sterile, says Melissa. And uh, make the phone optional, says uh, someone else. And uh, add breadcrumbs, uh, says uh, someone else. Well, we, uh, we made changes also, and we felt the problem with this page was that it was uh, emphasizing the free trial aspect of the offer, but any value other than that is gone. They've stopped trying to sell, and they assume that the customer is convinced. And this is a common mistake. Essentially, the value proposition is no longer being communicated when you arrive at this page. Many of us communicate the value heavily on our landing page, but we don't realize that you must communicate the value proposition all the way through, every step in the buy path, all the way through the process, and then even remind them of it on the, on the confirmation page. It's uh, like this. I'm uh, delivering this webinar from Florida today, and it's sunny out, and we're not far from the beach, and some of us fish on the beach. And if you take your fishing rod, go down to the beach, cast out, and hook a good red bass... Uh, you know, typically the process is you put your bait on, you cast into the surf, you wait to feel the fish on the line, and you set the hook. But once you set the hook, we don't set the pole down in the sand and then walk back up the beach, sit in our chair, and wait for the fish to swim in. You have to keep tension on the line or else the fish will escape, and you keep that tension on the line all the way through the process until the fish is beached. And uh, it's a good example of what it requires here. The tension is off the line. There's slack in the line. And so this form is not producing. Now, there are many problems with it, but I want to show you what a small change produces. You may wonder why we don't show you a fully optimized form. Number one, because we're testing constantly and we improve our own work all the time. But it's also good for you to see these things in process and recognize that you don't have to be a rocket scientist producing the finest possible optimized form in the world to still see remarkable financial results. So if you look at this particular form, please know uh, the difference in the new form by reviewing this page. Here's the optimized page. And uh, most of the fields are still there, if not all of them. The free trial is emphasized. The testimonials have been added. Privacy policy has been moved closer to the area of concern. The value proposition is communicated heavily all through the process. And there's a tight connection between the paid search ad, the landing page, and the form. As you see those, please note the before and the after, and then look at the bottom of your screen.
the new form is producing a 97% increase over the old form. How many of you on the call today would like to get a 97% increase in your cart or your form? Now, here's the danger. The danger is that if you listen to this webinar like you've listened to other webinars that we may have delivered in the past, you may miss the most important reason that we've come together today. If you're excited about the change you could make to your cart, or the change you could make to your landing page, or the change you could make to your paid search ad, you'll miss the entire point of this presentation. Because while it's exciting that this company saw a 21% lift, and a 54% lift, and a 97% lift, the reality is they're in danger of missing the true value of a proper coordinated test sequence. Peter Drucker said that adequacy is the enemy of excellence. And while this is an adequate, even a superb result, it can be worth a lot more when you start to understand the true compounding effect. So let's look at a chart that shows us what the financial impact of this series of tests carefully chosen yielded. Study this carefully. It's, un it's unlike many of the charts that you may have seen with us before. Overall, they experienced a 272% increase in conversion. Now, when they first got back that result, that 21% lift in a paid search ad, I'm sure they were excited. But it would have been easy to, to underestimate the profound impact on their financials that this series was actually going to make once it had completed its cycle. As you study the math here, what you'll discover is that overall, conversion went up 272%. And this led to 268% more revenue. But you must understand that because you are now lowering your CPA, there is another gain on the opposite side of the financial equation. And that's a 66% reduction in cost per acquisition. So the optimized path produced four times, more than four times the monthly profit. There was a 302% increase. So if you're on the line right now and you're trying to do what many executives want to do with their busy schedule, and that is choose where to focus their attention and then once they focus it, try to get the most they possibly can out of it, you need to be asking yourself a critical question. And that is, all right, wait a second. This is different than what I've seen before regarding optimization. What can I learn from this test sequence that I can take back right now and apply in my own business to take whatever gains I've received so far and make them worth many times more to our executive team? The answer to that question is the whole focus of today's presentation. I'm only going to answer it in brief, and then demonstrate it with live optimization. So, bear with us as we go forward, and I'd like to show you uh, kind of uh, the beginning of what we discovered. Here's a key principle. The impact of a single test when it is part of a holistic testing strategy can be much more dramatic. Properly applied, the compounding effect of individual but strategically connected conversion gains has a much more significant ROI impact. So, uh, the key then is to 
start to ask the question, all right, then how do I get that part right? But I want to show you one more example of this mathematically for those of you that have some uh, financial or background in stats. A simple illustration. You do not need to learn this math, and it's not nearly as um, daunting as it might seem. All I, all I want you to do is see how three gains done in independent paths uh, compares with the same three gains in a singular path. And our, our, our chief mathematician within the group here uh, is a guy you may have heard on the lines before, Bob Kemper. He's, uh, I don't even know his title. He's w Director of Sciences, although uh, they call him lots of other uh, names around here, all of them affectionate. Um, uh, but uh, Bob is one of our favorites, has been here a very long time. And, and Bob has simplified this as much as possible so that we could demonstrate it for you. But if you were to take the same exact conversion gains on independent paths, you get a 56% yield. But on a compounding sequential approach to a singular path, you see this 274% gain. The difference is dramatic. All right, so then, how can we ensure that we are getting the most from our optimization efforts? Well, first of all, and I'm going to give you three simple points and then illustrate them. Consider the entire conversion path. Stop having conversations that are based on random uh, appraisals of your website and snatching something out and saying, let's try to test that first. In fact, I was in a meeting today. This is not part of my notes. I don't want to frighten anybody on my team uh, with my uh, move from the slides and to a genuine anecdote that occurred this afternoon. But I was with one of our research team members, and we were talking about a very large, big brand that everybody in this web would recognize, whose name I shall not say, that encouraged us to get involved in a research project with them. We did. We proposed a series of tests, but they could not run those tests because someone mysterious uh, and unnamed upstairs, uh, high up and new in the executive suite, had a whole different testing agenda. Now, they weren't an expert in that area, but they certainly had authority, and so they drove their tests down to us and said, test these. We ran four tests in a row. All of them failed. We finally were able to get them to let us run the first test and, uh, in our sequence, and we saw one after another of major gains. By the way, that's, the point here is not that uh, our people are clever, but that you've got to choose your test with a methodology, not simply uh, base them or choose them on your opinion or on your uh, wish list. There are reasons. There's a method. There's a science to this. So, first of all, think about the whole conversion path. And uh, online, and we work and test in both environments, uh, you have the channel and the conversation and the exchange and the satisfaction. These are the four steps that are typical to the way we would uh, catalog a process. And you need to look at all of those and measure the uh, efficacy within each. Now, to do that, there's a simple second step that I'd like you to learn today. And that is, you need to change your whole perspective about metrics. Uh, you need to think of your metrics as a tool to detect hidden leaks. They are not simply a reporting mechanism. Too often we use metrics to tell us how much. 
How much is not deep enough? You need to get under how much and ask a different question, why? I'll go a step further. Uh, most of us are leaking money somewhere in our critical path and it's just like pipes in a, in a building. And there's holes in the pipes and water's leaking out and you call a plumber and he traces the water back to the leak and then he applies his tools and whatever he needs to stop the leak. At marketing experiments, we often tease uh, each other with the fact that essentially we're just glorified plumbers and we're plugging leaks. And the metrics are the tool we use to detect where the hidden leaks are. That changes what you ask for from your metrics program. And sometimes a very tiny gain can help you get a very significant amount financially. Now, stop with that for just a moment because I'm going to tell you about this later. just want to point something out. In that long pipe running through your, your website where the water is leaking or the money is leaking, the further down that pipe you go, the more remarkable the impact can be on your results. So that where you might be excited about a 75% gain, a 3% gain at the right place can have major financial impact. I'm going to ask one of our analysts that's been involved uh, uh, with some very significant experiments across a number of organizations, but in particular the test protocol I'm showing right now to help me. This is John Powell. And uh, John, uh, tell us a little bit about this test protocol. John's going to show us this case study. We're going to illustrate this point and then move to the third. Thank you, Flint. <clears throat> All right, quickly, just looking at the background of this particular test, we were working with a website that sells retail and wholesale collector items. Our goal was simple. We wanted to increase transactions or conversion rate. Um, so our conversion in this case was the actual transaction on the e-commerce site. Our primary research question was this. Which treatment will produce the highest conversion rate? Uh, we uh, conducted this test using an AB variable cluster split that focused uh, primarily on reducing anxiety uh, through uh, various forms like credibility indicators, copy, and et cetera. Uh, next slide, please. All right, um, so let me tell you a little bit about this test. Initially, when we approached this uh, particular research partner's process, their exchange process, we wanted to optimize the entire thing. However, technical constraints prevented us from doing so, so instead we looked for the uh, greatest, uh, the, the most effective place to test for capturing some low-hanging fruit. What you see on your screen is actually um, captured from the metrics tool that we used um, to understand the opportunity. And as you can see, uh, that big red circle indicate a major leak in this particular exchange funnel. Um, in this exchange, you've got uh, three pages and then a confirmation page. Um, the actual 20% uh, you're looking at was representative of new customer behavior. So it wasn't just that this process was leaking. It was leaking really bad for new customers. Also, um, in addition to that evidence, we also discovered using the uh, research partner's transactional database that that particular page with the big red circle actually had double the revenue per abandoned cart compared to every single other page in the exchange process. So not only were we losing a lot of people on that page, we were losing double the revenue. So uh, next slide, please. So um, let's take a look at the page. Um, here's some of the opportunity, as you can see. Uh, number one, if you take a look where it says credit card 
um, there's a little statement there that was really incredibly unclear as to why um, they're actually requiring a credit card. Mind you, only half of their customers actually paid with a credit card. The other half wasn't. So, so why do I have to provide this information? Also, you've got the prompting for special instructions. It's adding length, uh, causing some confusion. But also, you have the purchase agreement terms. So what this is doing is it's adding complexity, and really it's almost causing more problems than, than solving them by uh, giving them more things to consider before moving forward. And finally, there are no uh, indicators of the security of this particular website, uh, especially for entering the credit card information. Uh, next slide, please. All right. Um, so what we have here is uh, just a few of the, the changes that we've made. Now, if you notice from the previous page, it doesn't seem like we did a lot. Uh, but if you take a closer look, we added some third-party security indicators um, in close proximity to the sensitive information, a clear explanation of why we're actually collecting the credit card, which is incredibly important. So we actually did a complete rewriting of the copy up there. And here's a, one key thing. We added a satisfaction guarantee. So instead of reminding the customers of all the things they need to remember in their commitment, we reminded them of the, the, the satisfaction that they're promised and that they can return it. Finally, those purchase agreement terms and conditions were isolated uh, into a modal box. Uh, so let's take a look at the results. What you're seeing here is uh, rounded up a 5% increase in total conversion. Now, don't let this fool you. Um, due to the volume and the average uh, revenue per cart, this 5% increase meant a $500,000 increase in revenue projected for the course of a year. Excellent, John. So what you should be gleaning from this simple study is that uh, it's an illustration of how you can use your metric programs to detect the hidden leaks in your process and thus achieve an improvement. Now, John brought up a dilemma that they faced in this particular series of tests, and that is that while they saw key areas where they were leaking revenue, some areas were easier to fix than others. So, essentially, they had to find the nexus between where the greatest opportunity was and where the least amount of energy needed to be applied in order to seize opportunity. Financial energy, time energy, you know, it's resource allocation. To do that, you have to understand the third step, and I want to warn you in advance. I cannot teach the third step today. I can simply show it to you, talk about it, illustrate it. It deserves its own clinic, and it's more sophisticated. But you should be aware of it. You should understand it. You should be thinking about it. And I think that's why it's worth including. So the third step is this. You need to determine what tests to run and in what order. So let's put what looks like a, a fairly simple set of three points together and think of them in a more profound way. You are starting by looking at the entire conversion path. You're approaching that through a new perspective on metrics that lets you see them as a tool to determine the hidden leaks in what you're doing. And even as you do that, you're working to determine and using that to determine what tests to run and in what order. Now, as you start to embrace the third step, you may not be aware of it, but you're preparing to do something that we call a DOE, a design of experiments. I'm building up to that first of all, but let me just show you an illustration that explains why this is important. Testing elements early in the conversion process allows for more traffic and really the potential to run tests quicker and gain reliable results, valid results, faster. 
testing elements further down in your path. This is at the bottom, is into your cart and down into your process. It has a greater potential revenue impact. I've read a number of studies that indicate somewhere between 30 to 50 percent of your business is lost in the cart. Now, you may have spent, let's just say, as in one study I saw, uh, in fact, an experiment we ran here, it took $22 uh, a person to get them in the cart. They were losing 50% of those people. We thought about what to do at that stage in the process, came up with a cart recovery test, and immediately saved 6,000 abandoned orders. They were keen on that and they said to me, I will never forget, the executive looked at me before we proposed that test and said, I want to do that one. And I said, why? And she said, because we've already spent $22 to get them there and it hurts more to watch them leave. I don't want to go back out and, and improve results at the top. I want to prove them right here when we've already got them this far. If we can just get them over the edge, uh, we get a gain. And so, bearing that in mind, you, you, you ask these questions and two sub-questions will help you through that third point and build a DOE. The first one is this. Where can you get the greatest gain for the least amount of investment? And that's an ROI analysis that you see in the diagram with a spreadsheet looking at the metrics and thinking, where will I get the greatest gain? And the other is uh, an expected value computation. And really, it's a glorified uh, map of the decision process as you analyze it and ask yourself, where will I get the most? Now, if you're on the line and you're saying, look, I don't work for a Fortune 500 company. I don't have a team of scientists. Uh, I, don't, I can't do this. I have, there, there's two possibilities for you. Number one, um, if we can help you, we'll help you. We have a whole team working in our applied research group that does such calculations. But the point of this clinic isn't to... Uh, win your business. It's to help you learn how to solve problems. If you need our help, shoot us an email. But the second way is this. You can look at this particular uh, set of questions through the most simple tools. Many of you, even running smaller groups or with limited resources, realize that certain things are easier to test than others. You'll already know that. And the next thing is a simple calculation about what the potential gain is for improving say, results on website A. If you have website A or web path A and it produces a million dollars a year in revenue, you have website B and it produces $200,000 a year in revenue, and if they are equally easy to change, your first instinct might be to run over there and fix website B because that $200,000 a year is below what it should be we'd likely point you toward website A and say, if you have enough traffic and volume to make a million dollars a year over there, then a 50% improvement is a $500,000 gain, and that's a $1.5 million gain. You've got to think differently, but you don't need to be a fancy scientist or have sophisticated tools to do some of that kind of common sense thinking. You need to ask the question, though, where can you get the greatest gain for the least amount of investment? Which leads me to the Second question, in which order do you run these tests? In which order do you focus this investment? What you're looking at is an actual DOE lifted from one of our research experiments with a few changes in name so that you couldn't see who it was. And it's, if it seems complicated, you don't have to build this 
on your own. But we in our lab would analyze a process and say, well, if the result is less than X, we do this. If not, we do that. That's what this is really saying. Those are if-then statements. And, uh, and they're simple statements that tell us whether we should move on or test something new. Once you get the design of experiments right, you can maximize all of your efforts in testing. Now, if you're there right now and you say, I was following you up to this third point and it's over my head, I do apologize. It's difficult for us to deliver content to you that's equally applicable to the entire audience when we typically have a completely full set of, you know, we have people, more people register every year than we have, or every clinic virtually than we have phone lines. Is that, I'm st that's an accurate statement, right? Um, and so I just say that to say that you still need to be aware of this and you need to do your own version of this or you need to get help from someone that can help you. With that in mind, if you're on this line now and you say, yeah, but what can I do right now as soon as I go back to my office that I can start to move that will make a difference tomorrow? I want to take you to live optimization. I want to show you this uh, in the kind of informal conversational way that might help you identify right away transferable principles you can apply to your own web paths. So with that in mind, we are going to uh, look at some of the pages you submitted to us and think about the conversion path and recommend tests and recommend their order. Helping me and joining me in this process is uh, Jimmy Ellis. John, feel free to jump in anytime that you'd like uh, as we're going. Jimmy, I know that uh, you're standing by. Uh, I have not reviewed these pages. These were submitted earlier, and uh, uh, this will be my first time to go through them also. But we're going to look at them in that kind of uh, organic and natural way that we often do uh, as we get ready to apply our tools. So here is uh, an example. Uh, this is the batteriesdirect.com. You may have submitted that. You're probably in the audience if you were. And uh, we're going to be looking at your, at, at your submission. What you'll notice is that there is a product page and it's been highlighted and if you'll see the, the throughput line here, this is the snapshot of the funnel. These are the steps in the funnel and we're looking at the product page in this uh, e-commerce operation. With that in mind, here is the, here is the uh, page itself. This is example one. It allows you to search by brand um, and you'll see a paid search ad and Jimmy, I'm going to let you loose on this one in just a moment. But search by brand, search by phone. I'm going to take you forward to the actual product page so that you can get a sense of that. And uh, then I'm going to take them and show them just for a moment. There's a cart page, cart one and cart two. And, uh, and we're going to go back now and work on it. Jimmy, I'll let you direct us as to where you'd like to begin. I'll start at the, uh, at the first of the slides and uh, go ahead. Take it away. So, so sure, when you see the number of steps... Anytime you can make this uh, more simple and easy for the customer, you're going to reduce friction. And in most instances, you'll get more people to complete the process. So let's look at this one. Just from pay-per-click ad, brand category page, model page, product cart one, cart two. And you saw a quick look at the landing pages. You know, so the first question I have is, can we consolidate this stuff? Is there a way for so we can get someone quicker from the pay-per-click ad? to the individual product page. Well, you can probably use something like, and this is something we've tested before, a configurator, which could be as simple as a set of drop-down fields for the brands and the models and even the individual 
phones on a single page. And what happens is instead of going click to click to click in terms of steps page to page to page, like on this right here, so instead of going to the top page, then the bottom page, clicking that, and then going to the landing page or going to the product page, you could consolidate them so they could choose these options on one single page, testing drop downs versus a couple lists versus possibly a filter. And you've seen lots, especially with e-commerce, you've seen lots of filtering tools in terms of price and brand and type of phone and stuff like that in the left-hand navigation or top. And there's ways to do it. So we don't even need to, you know, there's an opportunity there. There's also an opportunity on the checkout page. So there's checkout one and checkout two. One is the actual cart. The other one is the order form. Now, the particular one in this instance, let's go to the next slide, Austin. So, you know, when you, when you look at these particular pages, cart one and cart two, um, you know, there, there are some interesting things that you could test in terms of consolidating even this. So on, on the cart, you could actually combine these two pages where you have the shortened cart at the top because how many people are buying multiple batteries at Batteries Direct? Uh, my guess is it's going to be very few. So you could actually have the shopping cart and the order information on a single page and test and see if that version is more effective than the current two-step version. Uh, there's another example that I quickly saw. Uh, scanning through the slides, that is an even better example. We'll get to, the, to, get to that in just a minute. So before I saw the pages, there was an opportunity to improve results. Let's look at the actual landing page or the individual product page. That's the page where everybody's making their decision. Go to the back one slide, please. So when, when I look at this page real quick, um, you know, it, it's not a, a horrible page, but there's pieces that are missing. So here's the pieces that I don't immediately see. They may be on here somewhere, but I don't see them. So, so one is, you know, why should, I, why should I shop at Batteries Direct? There's no company value proposition. There's no reasons why these guys are better than anyone else in their niche. And, you know, I don't see warranties. I don't see money-back guarantees. I don't see uh, testimonials in Clearview. I don't see company rating. I don't see anything. Jimmy, they're laying down the fishing rod. And uh, they, haven't even, he hasn't even, they haven't even set the hook yet. The value proposition is not being communicated all the way through. Keep going. Yeah, you haven't convinced me that I, I should shop with you guys, and you haven't convinced me why this particular you know, battery is, is the best. Now, this may be the one for my phone, but is this the, 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 is this the battery for my phone at the best price in the marketplace? You know, is there any way that you can do So, okay, here we go. I'm looking at something right here. In this small black text, in this gray box, that's overpowered by the orange button. I see the battery is covered by our generous warranty with no descriptions uh, and unmatched, no hassle, money-back guarantee, plus we include free shipping. So it, if you were to quickly scan this page, you would never see no hassle, money-back guarantee. You'd never see free shipping. You'd never see anything about the warranty. You'd just see, uh, okay, I look, Sony VPT battery. You see the battery image. You see add to cart, and you'd be like, eh, I'll look around and see if I can find a better price. Um, that, that's kind of my personal take on it. If you communicated those pieces, part of the product and company value proposition, the money-back guarantee, the free shipping, uh, any, any details about the warranty, and something that gives them an indication that this is a competitive or the best price, uh, then you really have something working for you, and you're going to get more people to actually complete. But it's not just this page that these details need to be communicated. It's through the rest of the process, so the whole putting the rod down. So let's go to the next page and see if the shopping cart includes the free Jimmy, shipping. Can I just jump in there for you? I want you to go back to that page, but let's 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 just gang up for a second. 
just to just to intensify the point that Jimmy's making, number one, and and you know, and we're not trying to be mean to the people. This is actually an above average site. It's better than many that we look at. It's encouraging to know that a site that's above average can be improved so easily. The truth is, in most of your cases, your competitors are so bad that if you can get your site up to zero, you're ahead in the game. In this case, they should be answering a question. Jimmy said value prop, but let's get very clear. This page needs to answer one critical question all the way through it, and that is this. If I am the ideal customer, why should I purchase from this company rather than any other? Is it because you have the largest selection? Is it because you have the best guarantee? Is it because you have uh, the best price? What is it about you that distinguishes you from everyone else? And that is not visible. It's not, it's not even communicated on the page. When Jimmy says that you need to emphasize the money-back guarantee, we've tested this over and over again. You need a big seal. Uh, in fact, if you're with this company, email us and we'll give you a, a sample of some of these. You cannot have an official money-back guarantee seal unless you have Adobe Photoshop, at which point you can get any you'd like or some other art, uh, uh, illustrative program. And I, I say that for those of you who can't see, we're smiling. You don't need any government authority to give you the right to put a cool seal on your page. It needs to feel official. It needs to feel like it has authority. It needs to be something that captures their eyes in a powerful way visually. So let me just move on because we've got a lot more to go through. And if you're in B2C, standby, or B2B, we got more B2B. But Jimmy, finish up on the carts for us. Yeah, so those same key pieces in terms of the value proposition also need to be on the shopping cart page on the left and, and the order form page on the right. So uh, when I'm looking on the left-hand side, now in this weird orange thing at the top of the page, it says uh, free ground shipping when you order online, but that's not where my eye goes when I get to this page. I go right to the actual shopping cart details of the product number and the checkout button. So in terms of placement of these key pieces, it has to be directly in their eye path. If it's not in their eye path, they're not going to see it. So it needs to be either embedded within the actual shopping cart as a line item saying shipping free in big, bold terms, or an additional place you could put it is right next to the checkout button so they cannot miss it before they continue and move forward or think that, oh, my gosh, it's not on this page and uh, maybe I don't get free shipping on this. Maybe this doesn't qualify, just like that. Same thing for the page on the right. I'm looking for some of those details in terms of making me feel better right before I continue to the next step. I'm looking at, at this, and, and if, I can tell lots of you guys, you guys have been on our calls because of the comments you were talking about earlier in terms of how do we fix this page. Uh, many fantastic ideas were shared, and there are things that, that we've, we've uh, beat people up about over and over and over again. I'm looking at this, and I, you know, the things that reduce anxiety. Where is the security seal right next to the place where you capture credit card information? Jimmy, i got to move you. I'm going to have to move us on. Uh, there's more I'd like to say about that one, and if we get another example, let's talk about cart recovery, Jimmy, and email capture on the first page of the cart, but let's move to another one. This is another, uh, we're trying to balance between giving you enough information and moving fast enough that you get lots of examples that you can apply to your websites. And uh, Jimmy, that's excellent commentary. I'm looking at another one. Here's the path. Let's email the landing page. Here is the email. We'll look at it in just a moment. There is the landing page. We, this was submitted by one of our uh, people online right now. This is not necessarily uh, you know, a bad one that we've chosen to make it uh, easy for our team. Uh, it's above average, I can tell you that right now, but I think uh, there's ways to make it more effective. So I'm looking at it. Jimmy, you want to make some comments on uh, the email, or uh, how would you like to approach it? 
So let's start with the let's start with the actual email. All right. So when I, when I see an email about this, I'm looking at the key pieces of it. First of all, is uh, how are you uh, getting my attention and getting me to read the rest of the actual email? The first thing that I see is it's all about freedom. How does that in any way communicate the value of your offer? Now this isn't an offer. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it's meaningless. So I'm looking at it now, and I'm I'm seeing that uh, I'm trying to figure out what this is. Is uh, don't be locked down to one location. Topcon I root planning on iPod. Yeah, we know it's fun. Uh, I root on iPod. You know, and then if you look at the very top right above the image, you you actually see click to win one. So what? So my, what I'm going to ask now is the key question: What is the objective of this email? Uh, for our purposes, the objective is to get a click. Uh, for for these guys, what they're trying to do is get a click. For someone to enter to win a, an iPad, um, but it is not clear. They have not led with the benefit to the person receiving the email, which is winning the free iPad, uh, and then getting a click with a very large, simple, clear call to action. I don't see those pieces on this particular email, so I don't think it's you know it's just not doing a good job trying to get that click or communicating what you're going to receive. If you do click through to the offer, so let's look at the landing page real fast. We're going to go to the landing page, and I'm just going to add to Jimmy's point uh, here, and that is that um, you have about seven seconds total in an email right now, maybe three and a half seconds, to communicate a message or be lost, terminated in terms of their interaction with you. And it's all about freedom doesn't give it to me. My eyes move over to the iPad picture. I don't know what that has to do with the freedom. There's, is that a basketball on there? It looks like a basketball. I don't think it's a basketball. I think it might be a medical image, but who knows? Uh, so I read the first line in bold, don't be locked down. I still don't know. I got a basketball. I can't be locked down, and it's all about freedom. The only freedom I want right now is the freedom to get away from this ad. If that's an eyeball, which I now think it is because my director of marketing is pointing at her eyeball and, and trying to help me out, it's if I'm having point. trouble, they're probably having trouble. Uh, I want to say this gently graciously and kindly to whoever submitted this because it's really good news. But this is horrible. The email is completely missing the point. And if, if I hope I, I, I don't offend you when I say that, but the good news is it's not going to be hard to get an improvement. Your headline's wrong. Your blue and white background text is wrong. Your image is wrong. Uh, your your subheadline down below is wrong. The call to action isn't clear. And you can improve this email so dramatically that you'll shock management with the results. If uh, if you do that now, I, if you're still with me, haven't hung up on me, and aren't too mad, then I'm going to forward you over to the landing page and let Jimmy keep talking. All right, go ahead, Jimmy. So so the biggest problem with this is there's no uh, good direct connection from the value of clicking through on the email to this page. So it's it's really kind of uh, dead before they even get here because you're not going to get the click through rate on that email to really drive uh, you know submissions to win the Apple iPad. So Here's my comments relative to this page. Uh, if you were to fix the email, it's clear that you're trying to win an iPad and possibly learn more about using one of these in terms of your practice. When they get to the page where they're saying, you know, enter to win or win an iPad, this whole page needs to be just that. The headline should not still be, it's all about freedom. It should not still be, start using iPad in your practice today. It should say, uh, tell us where to send your free Apple iPad if you win. Something along those lines. And the reason we're phrasing it that way is it's leading with the free Apple iPad.
iPad and it's asking for this form information in a way that creates less anxiety. Because when you say uh, enter to win, it's all about you giving up your personal information. But if you say tell us where to send your free Apple iPod if you win, it's all about where do we send uh, your, your prize uh, if you get selected. So there's a psychological change there that reduces anxiety and will probably have a pretty dramatic impact on how many people actually fill this out. Uh, there's other things that they could potentially do to optimize this. The one is how much information they're asking someone to do on this page. This could be split up into multiple steps um, in a way that maximizes quantity and quality. And here's what I, what, what I mean. This one currently is asking for uh, the three pieces of information, which is short, but there's also three drop-downs. And if someone starts thinking, why do you need this on this page? Oh, they're just going to call me. They're going to use it for their sales database or whatever. They're probably going to leave before submitting it all, uh, and you're going to have a fewer number of people going through. But if you sequence this, so the first step was first name, last name, email, uh, and then the second step was tell us more about your business or your company or about you know, how we can help you integrate Apple iPad pod, or iPad uh, in your practice. On the second page, what you get is you maximize the number of people through the first step. You get additional information for people that complete the second step, even though you might not get as many filling out this, the second step, but you will have uh, in aggregate more buckets of qualified leads with a campaign like this. We have got five minutes, and if you stay with us the full five minutes, we're going to get to another one and go through it as fast as we can to give the audience as much as we can information. I just want to do something that will help us uh, get transferable principles out of what you've just seen. There is confusing messaging here, and Jimmy's touching on it, but it's not clear what it is you're promoting, and you need to work on that. Go to the Marketing Experiments website. Do a search on Clarity Trump's Persuasion. Pull up all of our articles related to clarity, and they'll help you with this particular piece. Last caveat, one of the worst performing buttons we've ever used, except in certain, state, in certain segments with programmers, where the programmers are actually the market, is what you see at the bottom of this page, submit. It promises no value. It essentially says, now that we've defeated you with our superior marketing ability, submit. Bow on your knees, fall before the lords of marketing, and admit that we made this irresistible. It's the wrong message. It should say, get my free iPad or enter your chance to win. Something that promises something in exchange for the action. Let's move on to the next one. By the way, while you're listening the last few minutes, pay attention to this, but also submit to us with a Q&A uh, if this has been helpful for you today, if you're liking it, if you're learning it, if you want more of it, because we use that to get better at what we're doing. Here is the funnel. How many... <laughs> How many of you have already learned that before we look at the pages, there might be a way to improve this particular process? Oh, I have a different one on this one, though. I got a different one. So here we right, go. So go you, can, you, already, you can already tell that you could probably consolidate parts of this, but this, this particular one, the, the real impact would have to do with the sequencing of these steps. So here's what happens. Category page, printer catalog page. No, no, no. Go back to my sequence. I don't want to look at anything. Category page, printer catalog, product page, additional offers. So they're putting additional offers before the cart. Then you have the cart. And then they have the create an account. They're putting create an account before the final form page. So let's, let's have fun by moving the pieces around. And what if we took additional offers and create an account and put them after 
the form because the objective is to get someone to go from the category page and to fill out the form page, but you have this stuff in between it that's creating friction and actually some confusion uh, for the process. So what we want to do is go category, printer, product, cart, form, and then after on the confirmation page, after they've given you their credit card and completed the transaction, you can introduce additional offers. And then you can say, if you would like to track your package or your order, please set up your free account. And you do the account process after they've made the purchase because they didn't come to your site to create an account. They came to purchase a product. So let them purchase the product first, and then you can ask them to create an account. And if they don't, it's okay because you've already got the purchase. And most likely, I'd say 90% or more of the people are going to want to create an account because they want the tracking numbers for whatever they're buying. So, uh, you know, we can look at some of the pages now and see if this will work. But I don't even know what they what they sell. I don't even need to know what they sell, but I'm looking at the process and they're inserting things in the wrong sequence. Okay, okay, okay. Doctor optimization. We got a minute and a half. Pick one element that will help everybody in the audience to learn something from, and let's fix that. You're dead right with your suggestions and changes. I want to just pack my last 60 seconds. Let's go to shopping cart. All right. This is. We already said skip account creation, uh, so there's shopping cart on the right-hand side. So what I would say is in any process, especially with e-commerce, and this is not the particular page, but if we can capture a customer's email address earlier in this process before they have to create an account uh, and add them to our list and do recovery, and basket recovery is a huge thing, then we will get more people back to our cart. So find a way to get someone's email address before they're asked for payment information and use that information if they don't complete the process to do recovery. Every single day I see companies that are not doing shopping cart recovery, and, it, and it's an absolute uh, huge, gigantic problem. And once you get it set up, it's set it and forget it. Get their, get their email address as soon as possible. Find a very valuable way for the customer to give it to you. Maybe it's introducing a, a coupon or a discount or an email list that has real value. Or if it's lead gen, uh, you know, tell me where to send your free white paper report or whatever that, you know, right. whatever that, that thing is. So. For those of you still, still with us, here's the last 30 seconds. I'm going to blast this page, Jimmy, with them so that people with just a plain page can make improvements. First thing I do is I'd add value proposition up at the top. It says photo identification for less. For less is not credible. It's not quantifiable. I don't know the answer to the key question why I should shop with you rather than any one of your competitors. Underneath that, there's no connection to me, no greeting to me, no conversation started. Instead, you have three categories that I have to make sense of, and they're all getting in the way of the decision I'm trying to make. If I get through those three, you present me with two equally weighted options. You don't want me to learn more. You want me to shop. And... You've presented learn with the same way to shop now. Every time you present evenly weighted options, you cut your conversion rate. You stop the clarity necessary. Do not have that much unsupervised thinking on your page. Make shop now the key piece. But more importantly, even feature something on the page and, and de-emphasize learn. Make it smaller. Use the blue text underlink. Uh, but give the page a vertical sequential flow with a simple single button call to action at the bottom so that people can move forward without having to choose from uh, the confusing options. Over and over again, I can show you where that made money. Let me back up now. Our time is gone. I hope today has helped you. We've tried to cram as much as we possibly could into this so that you can learn as much as you can. Use the Q&A to give us your feedback if you would. We'll be back again in about two weeks with the latest findings from our experiments. 
There's teams here researching constantly, learning every day. And you may want to visit our blog to learn more from our ongoing experiments. But we're grateful. If you need help with any of your own projects, look at marketingexperiments.com partners. And sometimes we do research partnerships and help you with your research. Thank you for today. Uh, if you found it helpful, we ask that you perhaps would share it with a friend and uh, share the link to the Marketing Experiments site. Thank you again. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments live web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics, as well as receive access to $10 million worth of Internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Thank you.